this is We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network, and um, you were just listening to our theme music uh, for We Dig Plants, which is on uh, a friend of ours, Paul Watling from supercompuglobal.com. He made that music. So we um, are on the internet. Uh, we're broadcasting from two shipping containers at Roberta's Pizza, which is 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn. The show is produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Weiner. Today's show is sponsored by Whole Foods Market. So I am Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we are Groundworks, Inc., uh, a garden design, installation, and maintenance firm located in Brooklyn. And this show aims to bring the culture to horticulture. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can take a look at our website, groundworksgardens.com, or join our Facebook page, Groundworks, Inc., We Dig Plants. Um, Today's show is going to be about tropical plants for the winter escape, where they come from, how to care for them, and general how-to information. Now that it's January, um, outdoor gardens are put to bed, as you know, um, in, in our region. So we turn to our indoor environments for salvation and life. Um, we crave our indoor plants, I know I do, for humidity, for beauty, for green, for smell. Um, but what do we choose? What what should one look for when we're selecting a house plant? Where do I get one? And what will work indoors? Can I grow grass indoors? God, that would be great if we could grow grass indoors. So we've all had the same situation. We're given a plant and then we wonder, hmm, how do I care for this? I hope it doesn't die. Where should I put it? What should I feed it? How much water? When will it bloom? What if it gets bugs? How much light does it need? Etc. So Carmen's going to talk about some plant myths, and uh, I'll turn it over to her. Thanks, Alice. I'm going to pose a series of uh, statements or questions, and you have to determine if they're true or false. And I'm going to post the answers on our Facebook fan page later on today after the show. First one, plants increase oxygen in the air. True or false? Plants capture and reduce the amount of dust in the air. Some plants have been proven to reduce harmful chemicals and fumes produced by new carpet and other building materials. Plants act as humidifiers through transpiration. Plants improve our psychological, emotional, as well as physical well-being. So think about those questions and ask yourself if you think that they're true or false, and then you can see the answers later. Now, on our show today, we're going to talk about tropical and subtropical species because those are the plants that are most adapted to our indoor environments. But how did we become so obsessed with indoor plants and really crave them in our environments? Well, it all started like so many good things in the Victorian era. The Victorians were in love with nature and their world was rapidly changing for example, populations at that time were moving away from rural settings and moving into cities and towns. And frankly, the people missed their connection to nature and they wanted to sort of reproduce that by bringing nature indoors. Some other advances that affected um, the use of plants indoors was the plant exploration. Alice and I talked about that on the last show there were many explorers hunting for new plants, and many of the places that they um, traveled to were tropical places. 
And the plants that they brought back were not adapted to the weather in England or in the United States or in other northern countries. So they had to figure out a way how to grow these indoors. Right. This was really an era of kind of discovery and kind of pre-industrialization. Yeah, exactly. And another uh, technology played an important role in plants' abilities to be grown indoors. For example, during that era, stoves replaced fireplaces Mm -hmm. inside people's homes. A fireplace, uh, a place heated by a fireplace is not conducive to plants surviving. It's sooty, it's dark. Mm -hmm. Another technological advance was the, the, um, the reduction in the cost of glass. Glass was able to be produced much, much cheaper than in previous centuries. Right. So people could have big bay windows. They could have big windows in their homes. They, they would allow light in to exactly. these small dark spaces. And in fact, some of the Victorians actually built um, these enclosed bay windows. They would close with these uh, sort of screen doors and mm-hmm. create it like a giant greenhouse mm-hmm. attached to their home. So, And also, as people move more into urban settings or town settings from the country, they had more leisure time. Mm-hmm. They weren't working 18 hours a day on mm-hmm. a farm. So they um, were able to, you know, have time to just be lovers of plants. Lover of plants. Lovers, amateurs. <laughs> so the Victorians started this passion and it continues today. In fact, many of the plants that are available now were available to the Victorians. Jasmine, fuchsia, palms, and of course, ferns. These species don't go dormant like our temperate species. And um, they do really well indoors. But where do they come from now? They're not coming from the jungles. They're coming from Florida or California. Mm -hmm. And they're coming in on trucks. And they're coming from sunny Florida or California. And they arrive sometimes very stressed. They're sitting in a truck for a week. Right. They've been fed, you know, plenty of fertilizer and sprayed with fungicide so that they look perfect. So by the time they get to the store where they may or may not be cared for well, they've already been stressed. So if you don't succeed, 50% of the blame sometimes lies with the conditions that the plant arrived with. They're knocked around in trucks. They're handled by like 30 different people that are not plant people. They're shipping people. Exactly. And uh, if you go to a big box store, the plants are lucky to have been watered at all. Right. So um, don't feel bad if you, you know, aren't succeeding immediately. So um, when we come back, we're going to go into more detail about some tips on how to care for these um, poor plants.
Hi, um, welcome back. We are uh, we dig plants on the Heritage Radio Network, and that was "Welcome to the Jungle," of course, by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about house plants, where they come from, what to do with them, and how to care for them. And I'm going to give you some broad guidelines that apply to most plants, and then Alice is going to go into some specifics um, a little bit later. Um, In terms of maintaining your plant's health, once you get it home, one of the most important things is to get to know your plant. You literally need to know what its name is and to observe it and to touch it and to um, get connected with it. I know it sounds kind of crunchy, but if you get to know its name and you can then look up and Google and see, you know, how to care for it. And if you really look at the plant instead of just dumping a glass of water, you know, every time you feel like it on it, you will identify any problems that that before they turn really serious like pests or disease right like what type of leaves does it have is it a dark leaf or a lighter leaf that will tell you sun conditions etc and should the leaf you know be shiny or should it be you know smooth Mm -hmm. fuzzy fuzzy so you'll you'll be able to connect with the plant and and notice when something's gone wrong before it gets really bad Um, another thing that people often make mistakes about is incorrectly watering i know that sounds kind of obvious But one of the big mistakes is um, watering the plants the same throughout the year. You want to avoid a fixed schedule. Um, Temperature and humidity in the air vary a lot between winter and summer and different times of the year in your home. Mm -hmm. So you have to adapt your watering to that. Just as you would personally. Yeah, exactly. You drink more in the summer, but actually the winter is actually when you need more water, etc. And sunlight, of course, in the winter, there's much less sunlight that penetrates our homes than in the summertime. And the plant's growth is often dramatically reduced. So you may not need to water as much for that reason as well. So I've come up with a basic rule of thumb for most plants. There are exceptions like succulents and other kinds of plants. You touch the soil. If the top one inch is dry, water it. Mm -hmm. If it's not, that means that the plant's not using the water. So Mm -hmm. don't say I water it once a week, you know, religiously. No, adapt it to the conditions and how the plant is behaving at that time. Also, people uh, like to just dribble a little bit of water every day. That's not a good watering practice in general. It's better to do deep watering, Mm -hmm. less frequent deep watering. That encourages deep root growth rather than, you know, shallow surface roots. And it's true that plants can really go seven to ten days without water. In fact, it's it's better for them, as you were just discussing. Yeah. And also to avoid those dishes for underneath the plant because then water just sits Yeah, you don't want to leave plants standing in water unless they're aquatic plants, of course. Another mistake that people often make is repotting incorrectly. The first thing people want to do when they take their plant home is take it out of that ugly plastic pot and put it into a new pot. And I'm suggesting don't immediately repot your plant. Mm -hmm. Um, Let it acclimate. Let it acclimate, exactly. Mm -hmm. You usually don't have to repot it immediately upon taking it home. You can usually wait several months. Most growers have enough fertilizer and soil in there to last a couple of months. But if you do want to repot, the best time to do it is in the spring, right before the plant goes into active growth, Mm -hmm. unless it's a plant that has a dormant period. Then you want to repot right before the period of active growth, whenever that period is. Some plants have active growth at a different time than spring. That's why it's so important to know the name of the plant and the botanical name too, because sometimes the common name has nothing to do with the botanical. No, no. And for example, if you know 
what country and what kind of environment that plant came from. It'll give you a clue as to mm-hmm. what kind of conditions you have to recreate in the home. Exactly. I Also, a rule of thumb is you don't want to repot a plant that's in bloom. The plant right. is putting a lot of energy into that flower production. So that's not a good time. If you feel that your flowering plant has gotten that crusty, hard pan soil on top and you feel like it's not good, you can loosen that up without repotting mm-hmm. the plant. Just use a little fork. Exactly. I mean, right. fertilizers often leave salt crusts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the top, so you can break that up. And then the water won't drain down into the soil and it just... Exactly. And frankly, some soils that they're grown in are adapted for growing plants under the Florida sun or in a greenhouse where humidity is perfect. Right. And then it's on a Brooklyn windowsill. Exactly. Or on a radiator. Right. You know, I mean, most tropical plants want 60 to 70 percent humidity. Mm -hmm. Our homes in the winter have 5 to 10 percent. Right. So you're not creating ideal conditions. So the plant's going to adapt to that. And a humidifier works well. A, you know, $25. Yeah, Yeah, that helps enormously. Now, if you want to repot, if you see roots coming out of the bottom, or you feel that when you're watering, the water just runs all the way through, Mm -hmm. and you see all the roots encircling, and you feel like it's time to repot. Right. It's important that you use a clean or a new pot. Mm -hmm. You want to brush it out, clean out all the old soil. I personally believe that there should be a drainage hole if possible. And another huge mistake that people make is they say, well, I'm repotting this. I'm going to put it into this huge pot, Mm -hmm. and then I'm not going to have to worry about it for a while. That is a bad, bad decision because what happens is you're putting a plant with a small root system into a big pot with lots of soil. That soil is going to be stagnant. It's going to stay wet, and until the plant roots fill that soil mm-hmm. that extra stro- soil it's it's just gonna be smelly and bad and it actually can cause more problems rotting and molding exactly and, right. so drainage is an issue too right yeah some sort of like yes um, you, pebbles or yes. styrofoam peanuts work great. exactly so as a as a general rule if you're repotting choose a pot that's one or two inches deeper and wider than its existing one not too much bigger mm-hmm Um, Another trick that I like to share is it's best to repot while the plant is slightly dry. That makes it come out of the pot a little bit easier Mm -hmm. without having to do much damage to the roots. It usually just slips right out because the soil has shrunk a little bit. But sometimes the roots are so um, grown around itself that if you just gently tap the bottom of the pot Mm -hmm. and the sides, that will help break it up without doing too much damage to the root base. Exactly. And if you see lots of roots coming out of the bottom, then you can cut those roots and let them out Yeah, and let the plant out. So like Alice said, put the drainage material in, use sterilized soil. Please don't use garden loam. It's You're introducing some unknown elements into your plant that you have no idea of pathogens or disease. And then once you plant it in there, you want to water it in very well so that there's no air pockets to dry out the roots. Mm-hmm. And finally... People usually want to feed their plant right after repotting. Repotting can be very stressful for a plant. Don't feed it um, for two or three weeks until the plant acclimates to its new container. Okay. And um, we're going to post some more tips um, on our Facebook fan page. Um, And we're going to take a little break now. And when we get back, Alice is going to talk about some specific species. Some of those tried and true favorites. Things Exactly. All the plants are on fire They have a secret life 
They have a secret life All the plants are on fire They're looking for a wife All their pots have turned to gold All their leaves are almost old All the plants are on fire In my house in the rain Dig Plants Heritage Radio Network. That was a song titled All About House Plants. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> kind of goofy. Um, by an artist, um, a group called One Ring Zero. So I'm going to talk about some house plants, um, where they come from, you know, what to do with them, things that you all have seen growing on your grandmother's windowsill, things that you may have tried yourself. And I thought we would start um, also because geographically it's fun to take a little tour. So I thought let's start um, in the lowland rainforest um, with orchids. Everybody gets an orchid. <laughs> Everybody gets an orchid, and it's gorgeous when it's in bloom. And then, wah, wah. what do you do with it when it starts to look awful? Give it to your mother. Yeah, yeah. So here's what orchids really, the, the, the most important thing is that they need moist air, lots of humidity, but they should never be allowed to dry out at the roots. You should not overwater them. You should water every two weeks and fertilize with a liquid fertilizer in October just before it's going into the bloom period. Um, you should water the plant by setting the pot into a shallow um, tray um, and letting the water soak up from the bottom. And a lot of times people put pebbles in that tray because that creates a humid environment. Yeah, that's a great way to create humidity without having to run a humidifier, actually. And right. it looks really good, too. Or you could just quit your job and spend your time misting, <laughs> which is what I would like to do. Um, Phalaenopsis is a good orchid to start with. Um, it likes moderate temperatures between 55 and 80 degrees. Um, this is the one that kind of looks like a moth in its flower shape. They come in white, pink, or pink striped, and now also in a variety of colors, oranges, purples, etc. And these blooms last up to two months. Some other types that I'm sure you've seen um, in the market are cymbidiums, vandas, dendrobiums, and paphiophyllums. Um, these require slightly different conditions, so I would recommend that you check out alohaorchid.com for more specific info per variety. Um, don't place them in front of a window. They'll burn um, from the bright light. They like a... Um, they're an understory plant um, in, in habit, so they like to be away from a window, but with ambient light. Yeah, they usually are epiphytes, aren't they? They cling to trees, many of them. Exactly, exactly. So soil is important. Um, because they cling to trees, they, ha they need a lot of peat moss. So I recommend a soil um, that is one-third peat moss, one-third sand, and one-third granulated charcoal, which you can get at your garden center. Um, and you can also ask them for help in repotting your plants as they grow. You want to keep it loose and well-draining. Sometimes it's growing in bark. 
too yes, as well. bark chips, exactly. And that's important for the drainage. Exactly. So another one found in um, tropical South America and Malaysia is philodendron. Now, there are many, many types of philodendrons. They, This is the, the foliage plant that's most often seen in... Um, like offices and in kind of shadier areas. Um, It's a heart-shaped leaf, and it's, like I said, it's a big family of plants. So there's climbers and there's shrubby trees, and they're great because they can be neglected. You can really kind of ignore them for a while and then saturate them with water, and they do great. Um, They love shady conditions, um, as in their understory forest natural habit. Um, too little light will produce smaller leaves, and too much light will actually burn the leaves. So they like daytime temperatures of 75 to 85 degrees, which is ideal, not lower than 35 degrees. Um, oh, they can go to 35 degrees. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, they can, but not for, not long, for long periods. So, you know, if you do kind of happen to leave it in, in a cooler area... Just be aware of the temperature. And don't the leaves get gigantic in their native habitat? They can be humongous. Yeah, that's what's so great about them. Um, Overwatering will cause yellow leaves, and underwatering will cause the leaves to kind of crumble and fall off. And fertilize in spring and midsummer with a liquid organic fertilizer. They're a good beginner plant then, very forgiving. Yeah, nice big foliage, a lot of drama, um, fun. So another plant um, that is very popular these days are air plants, talansias, um, tree ferns, that sort of thing. These are the super cool alien-looking plants that don't need any soil, hence the word epiphyte, which means without soil. Um, they're air plants in the bromeliad family, like a pineapple or a Spanish moss. So they're found um, in Latin America, and they grow on rocks and trees without soil in the wild. Um they tolerate a wide range of growing conditions um, so they can adapt easily. All Tillandsias will produce flowers and then pups, offshoots, from the base of the plant. And the secret ingredient to the success of these plants and flower production really is air circulation. They need water and they need to dry off. So what we... So- what we suggest and recommend is that you recreate a rainstorm every few days, basically. So you can do this by um, immersing the plant in water um, and then letting it drain off or run off the leaves. Run it under the kitchen sink for a few minutes every two to three days, then let the water completely dry off, and then a big soak once a week for a few hours in a tub. Um, they do not like bright sun, more direct infused light. Think of where they come from. Yeah. They're canopy. Aren't they great in the shower then? Can't you make like a, a kind of um, forest in your shower? Absolutely. And I have I have several in mind, but you have to have good air circulation in that the water needs to drain off. It can't be too wet in there. I see. Um, and then avoid south-facing light and avoid all-day sun. So away from a window in a in a ambient light filled room is is best aren't pineapples epiphytes they are in the same family exactly exactly but they will rot if they're left in water so it's good to make sure that you have a lot of air circulation so let's talk about african violets these are your grandmother's house plant and a victorian special um thick fuzzy fleshy leaves purple pink and bluish color and they're always in the windowsill of ladies houses um yes (laughs) i know my mother has some (laughs) oh yeah yep they are from africa but they are not violets so don't let the name fool you 
The botanical name is St. Paulia, which honors uh, a baron, Walter von St. Paul, who first discovered them and brought the plants back to Europe in 1893. So he was one of those plant explorers. Didn't he find them in like caves or in crevices or something else? Exactly, exactly. They're very adaptable, and that's what makes them so popular. Um, And they're perfectly suited to indoor life um, and bloom almost continuously. They like moist, humid, jungle-like conditions, temperatures between 60 and 75, um, and again, set the pot onto a tray of pebbles to create a humid condition. Do not water. Do not water the leaves. Right. It's best to water from below so that the pot soaks up the water or use a watering can that has a long spout um, so that you can kind of tuck it underneath the leaves. Otherwise, the leaves will get that spot, which yeah. will cause rot. Yeah. Um, the soil should be rich with organic nutrients and loose, not tightly packed around the roots. And sunlight should be from east or north exposure um, for maximum results. Fertilize in spring, summer, and fall months, not in the winter. And yeah. Isn't there an African Violet Society, Alice? Still? There is. There is. Because they were very popular. Yeah. And, and breeding many, many different cultivars. I yeah. think there is one still in New York. There is. You can, I'm sure you can Google and find out. Um, the Hort Society of New York has some information on them too. And remember with African Violets to use the African Violet fertilizer. Okay. Um, now I want to talk about Oxalis or Shamrocks, the good luck plant. Now, This is kind of an interesting story because what we think of as a shamrock has become very fashionable in a purple color. It's actually kind of two different plants. Um, The oxalis is the purple one that you see um, as houseplants, but also you see them tucked in to pots and uh, garden borders, and it's a great punch of color. Yeah, it's a great annual. Then there's the traditional shamrock, which is trifolium repens. Um, And that was identified in 1893 as a clover by Nathaniel Colgan. Um, Was it in Ireland? It was definitely in (laughs) Ireland. Um, And uh, uh, it's it's also known as the white clover. You'll you'll see it called that as well. And it's a low ground covery. Yep, produces little flowers. plant. Exactly. Um, Often found in rock gardens too. Oh, really? Rockeries. Um, We love the purple one, um, Oxalis triangularis, for its color, um, and it has super sweet pinkish flowers. Um, So Oxalis is a member of the um, Oxalidaceae family. I always have trouble pronouncing that. And then there's the Shamrock, which is the Trifolium family. Um, The Trifolium is a legume, so it takes nitrogen from the air and fixes it um, in the soil. Um, through bacterial action That's in the right. roots. And oxalis cannot do that. So although they look the same, uh, the leaf, that's what the difference is. And isn't clover used as a cover crop between crops Absolutely. on farmland, right? Exactly. To hold soil and to add nitrogen back in. Exactly. It's a good in-between medium plant. So as a house plant, though, um, or, you know, if you can use it as an annual um, uh, and brought back in, 
the, the thing that I love about them is that the flowers open in the morning and then they close at night, which makes it awesome. <laughs> yeah. And they look like moths when the leaves are folded over. Exactly. They, they like kind of close up. Or and, little bats. They're amazing. Right. Each flower lasts for a few days and then falls off and new ones constantly emerge. It does need to be thinned out weekly of these dead leaves and flowers. Um, but it will grow for years. Um, and what I also like about it is you can neglect it and then, you know, it, it'll look horrible. You add a little bit of water and it just comes right back to life. I know, because doesn't it have kind of like a tuberous root that it does. holds so that you could chop off every leaf mm-hmm. and let they it respond dry out to, and it comes back, They right? respond to cutting very well if it gets too big in your pot. Just cut it and that'll thin it out. So I want to talk also about some flowering uh, Victorian plants, coleus, geranium, and begonias. We can't talk about houseplants without talking about those. Um, Some more of Grandma's favorites. Um, They're also dual-purpose outdoors and then indoors for the winter, allowing um, flowering and greenery in these cold, dreary months. They were all popular um, in Victorian England in the 1800s and are now making a comeback because they're such big performers without a lot of fuss. So coleus, I just found a really cool one called Brooklyn Horror. Really? What color is it? Um, it's it's also known as Witch Doctor um, if okay. you're looking in, in catalogs. It's kind of finger-like with bright green leaves and a wild edge of purple. Um, gives it gives it kind of an untamed look, which is kind of what Brooklyn is all about. Will I like it? I think you will like it, <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll post some more information about the geraniums and the begonias, but they do well in windowsills with weekly watering and fertilizing during the spring, summer, and fall months. Citrus, I want to talk about citrus really, really um, quickly. I'm going to put a lot of this on the Facebook page. Um that smell is just un- unbelievable. Especially now. Yeah, and it's so necessary, and it really makes you feel like you're in Hawaii or in the Caribbean if you just can't afford to go. They're not ideally suited as house plants um, because they have such specific requirements, and you have to definitely respect that. Well, you, if you have an orangerie, you can put it in there. Yes. <laughs> and everyone does. Yeah, in my mind, <laughs> of course, I've got a huge one. So I'll, I'll, I'll post some information about that. Um, and then we also should talk about ferns, um, those Victorian gems. Um, the And I want to talk quickly about the uh, Boston fern. Yes. Um, and how it got that name, because actually it's a tropical and it was found in Florida. And it was actually a Jamaican um, plant hunter that found the, the plant in Florida, imported it to England, and then it was a in the... Uh, imported it to England in like the 1700s. And then during the 1800s, there was a Boston florist who was traveling and he saw the the plant growing in the greenhouses at Kew, um, the the great garden Kew, and brought it back to the United States as a houseplant. That's how it got its Boston... That's how it got it. Interesting. It's Boston Nothing to do with Boston. Well, the florist was the florist was in Boston, so and was dealing with like the socialite ladies, right? And you know, hence that big fern that is really easy to care for. And again, I'll post some more information on Facebook. So we're going to take a break, um, and then Carmen's. Oh, oh no, no break. I think we've come. We're just wrapping our show. Sorry, (laughs) I Um, could just talk forever. 
Yeah, we, we probably will have more shows about houseplants um, in the near future. There's, it's such a huge subject and we can go on and on. We want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We'd like to thank Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Come on by and have a pie. They're amazing. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Our show today was produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener. Join us on our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Inc. We Dig Plants. We'd love your feedback and any ideas and questions that you have. And we'll also be posting some great sources for these unusual plants. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the garden. Happy gardening. <laughs>